Yesterday, I am joined by Celtics NBA reporter at Boston Globe, Gary Washburn. Gary, what's going on? How you doing, man? Good to be here. Everything is good. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to the NBA panel. No problem. Excited about it. This 2020 NBA season was a crazy one. We got through it, though. The Lakers are the 2020 champions. No asterisk in my book. What's your thoughts on this crazy season and from this from this halt to its conclusion? What do I take away from the season? Yeah. Um. Well, I applaud the NBA for having um, the great ideas to even put on the season and resume the season. Um, you know, it looked like it was going to be a great season before the pandemic hit, you know, MVP race between LeBron and Giannis and the Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers were going at it as a, for the best team in the league. And and so it looked like it was going to be one of the more exciting seasons of recent memory because I think over the last several years, you know, we just basically had Golden State kind of dominating everything. It was obviously four years in a row with Golden State and Cleveland and then Last year, Toronto kind of came up, but this right. year there was no real um, favorite for the finals, right? I mean, there was people said some people said the Lakers, but no one knew how they were going to look with LeBron back in the new AD. AD. Um, right. People picked the Clippers. Yeah. People picked the Clippers because they got Kawhi and Paul George, and they were immediately supposed to make a run at the finals. Uh, then you know, what about Milwaukee? So it was a crapshoot. It was no one really knew, and it was exciting because for the first time, obviously the Warriors were done in terms of being injured and all that. So they were they weren't going to be a factor in, in who was going to win the finals. So I kind of felt like it was it was going to be a great season, and it was a great season until the pandemic hit. But I, you know, I credit the NBA with having enough ideas and the players for having enough commitment to finish this thing out to have a champion to have an exciting season because the playoffs, that level of playoffs, the level of play in the playoffs was high level. You know, all the stars became stars. You know, right. LeBron and, and AD, the guys who you saw, you know, were stars outside the bubble, were stars in the bubble. And then right. you had some sizes. Jimmy Butler obviously became a, a superstar out there. And you had dudes like T.J. Warren and other guys. Tyler Hero comes up. So I think it was an exciting season, um, and I applaud the league for putting on uh, enough, you know, just having everything medically ready, me- right. medically set in terms of play- and the players' commitment to where they didn't have one positive test, they didn't have to cancel any games besides, obviously, the social reasons, and I applaud them for that, too. I, lo- I applaud the players for uh, saying, hey, you know, this is this is what we want, and this is what we're going to ask owners. So... I think it was a lot, a lot to go on this season, but I, I was happy with the way it turned out. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure, sure it's a great job, a great job. You've been at the Boston Globe for 11 years. How's your experience been over there? Uh, it's been a great experience. Um, Boston's a great sports town. It's a pro sports town, not much college sports town, but right. pro sports town. Um, people are passionate about all those four sports. Even hockey. It's a big hockey area too, so. They'll turn on Sports Talk Radio. They'll be talking about Boston Bruins or NHL. And I've never lived in a city where NHL has even been a discussion on talk radio. But they love their sports out here. It's a great place to work. Um, it's a great place to cover. Obviously, there's always something going on here. 
uh, it's a it's a city that wants to have all those te- wants all the teams to have championships. The Patriots, obviously, the Red Sox, uh, the Celtics, the Bruins won in 2011. So the Celtics are the team that's been the longest drought, and that's 12 years now. But um, it's been a great experience to work here in a city that really cares. The readers care. They're on you about what you write. They have a lot of opinions. Um, so I'd rather work in a city like this, that, you know, that's hard on you, the readers are hard on you, or whatever you write, than in a, in a area that, that, that isn't much into sports or that's very lackadaisical about sports or people say, well, I'll watch the, the games when it comes to the playoffs. Like, you want fans that are into every game, and that's the way it is here in Boston. Right. And you covered the Seattle Supersonics. Um, how was that experience? <laughs> Seattle was a team back bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I covered the last three years in Seattle. I covered Durant's rookie year. Um, saw him uh, from obviously an 18-year-old out there trying to play against grown men, the Tracy McGrady's and right. the young LeBrons and the Kobe's and those guys, you know, 18 years old and just seeing him learn every night, which was a fun experience. Um you know, people ask me about it a lot because, you know, they moved to Oklahoma City and they left the city of Seattle. And it was a tough time um, to be there because it was like the team was slipping away and you could just see it happening. And I don't think there's anything that could have been done about it. I mean, uh, it was old. The team with Howard Schultz, who was the Starbucks, obviously, CEO, announced that he was selling the team in February of 2006, and he sold the team in July. And no professional sports team sells that fast. I mean, that's fast. You know, he sold that team in five months. And you knew that when he sold to somebody from Oklahoma City, they weren't going to keep the team in Seattle unless it was financially beneficial. And the city did not want to, did not want to build a new arena. They had already built a new football stadium for the Seahawks and a new baseball stadium for the Mariners. And the third team in the market, and I think you could look at like what happened in Oakland, the third team always gets uh, the screw job in terms of, of that new stadium. If you're the last team to get it, you're not probably going to get it. And um, so it was hard to watch a team. And I grew up in Los Angeles, and I remember the, the Supersonics coming and playing the Lakers and Magic Johnson against Dennis Johnson and, and you know, the, the Sonics were a real rival, and they had a real great fan base, and it was just sad to see the um, team kind of kind of being taken away from the city. And also, honestly, the city kind of letting it go, too. Like, the city could have done a lot more to keep the team, right. and they didn't. And so that last season with Durant, um, you know, people just didn't understand, like, 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 I always, people talk to me, well, what, about, what would have happened if the team would have stayed? So what happened was the team traded Ray Allen to the Celtics, and they traded uh, Rashard Lewis to Orlando. And when they did that, the fans thought they're trying to tank so they could, so they could make the team un- unattractive, they could sell the team. But instead, what Sam Press is trying to do is build around Durant because he got Durant. They got the number two pick, and they got Jeff Green, and they thought then Jeff Green could be a number two guy. So the next, the summer, right before the team announced they were moved, they drafted Russell Westbrook. The next year after that, they drafted James Harden. 
So that team stays in Seattle. Yes. Because they, they had two years left on their lease, right? And people were saying, well, they should just let them play through the lease and see what happens. Right. And let them move after their lease. Make them play the last two years in Seattle. But the settlement was that they, they bought their way out of the lease. If they had made the owners stay in Seattle for those two years, and you had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden on that team, it's be impossible for me to believe that the city would want them. To, the city would allow them to move. The city right. would do whatever it takes to keep that team because you had three young, obviously future Hall of Famers, yeah. on the same team, and that ended up happening obviously in Oklahoma. But it could have happened in Seattle if the city decided to hold the owners to their lease, which they didn't. So right. people asked me, well, what would have happened? And I was like, they probably wouldn't have moved because right. you had Westbrook, and nobody knew. I don't know if you remember, when Westbrook came out, nobody knew he was going to be this good. I mean, he was, a, he was an athletic guy at UCLA, but no one yeah. really – Kevin Love was the best player in that team. Like, no one saw Westbrook being this good. No one, except obviously Oklahoma uh, – Press, uh, the, like Westbrook was like, oh, he's a, he's 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 an athlete, but but he ain't got you know like he's good. He's not. I mean, I remember writing that the Sonics should have drafted Jared Bayless, you know, right. or Brook Lopez, right? Those are the same draft in the same draft class. Like so, what, obviously they saw something in Westbrook that was right, but you had those three guys on your team. There's a Durant who's about to be an all-star, a Westbrook, and then you just draft. And remember, too, they also drafted Serge Ibaka. So you have Durant, Green, Ibaka, Harden, and Westbrook. They ain't letting that team move. So uh, I think it's sad what happened. But, yeah, that, you know, it, it was hard to watch a team being taken away from a city um, like that. But you know what? They let it happen. Yeah, that's the best. That's a question, a biggest question that, that keeps on being um, brought up: if Westworld, Harden, and, and KDS stayed together, because them three together, it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I mean, you know, what would have, uh, would you know, they had traded Harden eventually? Who knows? And kept the Baca like they did in Oklahoma City, but yeah. I just think the fans, and I kept trying to tell them because they kept writing me letters and telling me email telling me, you know, that all this team's trying to tank. They're trying to tank. They're trying to make themselves bad so they can just move without nobody really caring. I'm like, no, you can't have basically um, 32-year-old Ray Allen playing with 18-year-old Kevin Durant. Like, you can't have your one-two punch be 14 right. years apart. Like, you got to have. Now, if you're LeBron, then that's something different, right? That's a different right. answer. <laughs> right. but, yeah. you know, but, you know, LeBron can do that. But if you're – Ray Allen's on the backside of his career, and you got yeah. young, like, you can't have him. Because that's what I remember talking to Sam Presti, and he was like, we just we couldn't have Ray playing with Durant like that. Like, it's just they're not compatible in terms of, like, they're 14 years apart. They're, you know, 13 years apart. They're, like, they're different stages of their career. We can't have them being a part. We can't have Ray part of a rebuilding plan. And he was right. Nothing against Ray. So I tried to explain that to people. And they're out there, like, listen, they're not tanking, but they're, yeah, like, they're, they're trying to, like, build with young players, and people saw Durant, but they, they weren't as convinced, obviously. I mean, if you, I mean, you've seen pictures of him when he was young, I mean, he was really skinny. You know, he had 
he had great scoring skills and all that. But no one, you know, we all we all thought he'd be a really good player, but no one thought he would be, you know, KD, right? I mean, I think right. people <laughs> really good. And then so it was a lot of situations, and it was it was kind of hard to watch. I mean, they drafted Westbrook, and then they moved four days later. So Westbrook was officially the Sonic last draft pick, but who knows what would happen if they'd have kept him and stayed around and stayed stayed for those last two years. Yeah, now KD is talked about as the best player on the planet when he's healthy, which is, or, which is pretty much arguable. Because exactly. a lot of people say it's still LeBron, but KD is a whole problem. The back-to-back final MVP, same shot, two different years, the same spot almost. It was crazy. Like, he don't, he's not afraid of the moment. You know what? Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, it just goes to show you what can happen, you know, when um, – Finances, economics get involved, and and the NBA, you know, the NBA don't play. I mean, the NBA went to cities like Sacramento and Seattle and said, "Listen, we're all all these all these cities. You guys got to build a new arena. Like, we don't want these. We're not playing these old band boxes anymore. So, if you look at the teams, you know, uh, Sacramento was going to be just like Seattle, and they're going to lose a the team. They might have lost to Seattle, to be honest." And they came back and built a, a nice, beautiful arena. Right. Um, you know, so if you look around the league, there's not one team. I mean, you know, Phoenix just refurbished their arena. You know, like you, you can't have an old band box anymore. This is not the 80s where you could play in some of these little multi-purpose arenas. And I think yeah. that the Seattle learned a, a lot about professional sports and economics. That and it, it was a hard lesson because a lot of good self, good Sonic fans out there. Yeah. But you know, KD. I mean, it's been uh, a pleasure to see the player he's turned into. I mean, you know, I know he's had his uh, you know, situations and his attitude, and some people don't like, you know, how kind of you know sometimes he doesn't seem real happy. But man, right. what a what a ball player. Yeah, the Celtics season, they fell short, but it's not a positive. I mean, they started the playoffs, they beat the Sixers, they swept the Sixers, they beat the defending champion Toronto Raptors, they ran into the Miami Heat, and they lost London in the semifinals. But they, it's not a positive they can take away from the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that it got kind of, everything changed once they got to the bubble and Milwaukee got knocked out because Milwaukee was a team that, they the the Celtics don't not, have not matched up well with them over the last few years. Right. So that was a team they thought, okay, we don't want us to have to face Toronto, then face Milwaukee. So when you get, you know, so and even and people even thought that Philadelphia had a chance to knock them off, right? Um, right. In the first round, people really didn't know. And then obviously Ben Simmons got hurt, and then the, yeah. the Sixers were just kind of like. They just weren't together, and they were on the last days of Brett Brown. But if you look at the Toronto series, like, I think the Celtics felt like they were the better team, and they had some fluky things happen, and they won in a seven. But I think once Miami beat Milwaukee, the Celtics and Celtics fans thought, we can go to the finals. We can beat Miami. Right. And the fact that they lost that series, they lost it in six games. And obviously, Miami is a great club. They showed everybody – pushing the Lakers in six games despite being injured, that they're a very good organization. I think that the Celtics have more talent. I just don't think the Celtics were as cohesive and as tough as Miami. And Miami, in three of those four wins, just took 
the game from Boston in the fourth quarter. Game one where Boston had a 14-point lead early in the fourth quarter, you can't lose that game. You just can't, you can't lose that game. You cannot, in a playoff game, be up 14 points. And Now, if you're playing a team with Kobe or yeah. – or fourth quarter LeBron and or James Harden scores 28 in the fourth and just goes out of his mind. But that's right. not what happened. The Celtics got stagnant. Miami got to the free throw line, and all of a sudden it was a tie game. The Celtics played that game not to lose, and they lost it. And I think obviously game two, when you know they had the issues in the locker room afterwards, and you know they were up 17 in the first half, like. It, it, it was frustrating for Celtic fans and it was a bitter ending because they felt like they could have won the first two games. Right. And then there, you probably have a chance, a real chance to go to the finals. And I think this, you know, the sudden been of Eastern Conference Final three out of the last four years, two of the first two losses were on the Cavs. Nothing to be ashamed of there. Nothing, you know, but I felt like the fans this time were like, listen, we're not playing LeBron, you know. Jimmy Butler is their best player. He's a top 15 player, in fact. You know, now he proved to be top 10, top 5 during the bubble. Right. But felt like, how come we can't beat this team? And I think so. I think the Celtics learned a lot during this season. Now, is it, you know, was, did it end positively? No. Did they, did they feel good about some of the things they did? Yes. But I, I think that they're really disappointed about losing to a team that they felt like they could beat. Right. Jason Tatum continues to grow and becomes a face of the Celtics. Can you speak on his growth? Well, yeah, Jason has learned a lot. You know, this is his third season, up for a big-time extension uh, this offseason. Um, he has expanded his game on and off the floor. Uh, it's good. It's interesting to see him, you know, like he got to the, he got to the Celtics. He was 19 years old. And now he's 22, um, and to see you know young men grow, grow mentally, physically, emotionally, et cetera, yeah. where um, it's good to see Jason grow. Jason took major strides this year. Obviously, All Star, All NBA. Um, he is, as you said, the face of the franchise, the cornerstone. Him and Jalen Brown. But I think Jason can learn more. He can be better down the stretch. He can be. He can. He can be better in terms of his shot selection. He can be more aggressive and not always settle for that long uh, step-back three. There's certain things he just has to learn that, hey, all superstars learn. Not everybody picks that up. And he's making those strides. But I think it was a great season for Jason Tatum. He's obviously a franchise-caliber player. Um, The Celtics want to keep him, obviously, for a long time. And it, it makes him feel, you know, when Boston has a star like that, you know, they, they become attached to him. You know, they, they, they love those guys. And Jason's a, a, a fan favorite and a guy that the, the crowd wants to see, uh, the fans want to see around for a long time. Right. One other player, Gordon Hayward, who's up for a $34 million option. I mean, I don't see him declining, but I don't know. But he, he was a huge part of the, of the team during the regular season. He got hurt, came back into the bubble, didn't seem to be his complete self. But he's a huge part of the team when he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's been a tough role for Gordon in his three years in Boston. You know, he missed the first year, obviously, that catastrophic leg injury. And then last year was a real transition year in terms of 
trying to get his confidence back, get his athleticism back. Right. It was good nights and bad nights. There were times he just didn't look comfortable. He was hesitant in shooting the ball. And there were nights that he would look great. And then this year, you know, he started off strong, looked like he was back, and right. then he breaks his hand in San Antonio in December. This is a month. And then right. uh, gets back and then starts having foot problems before the pandemic. And then gets healthy during the pandemic, comes back, first playoff game, really badly sprains his ankle. I mean, this is really bad luck for him. You know, yeah. I mean to get hurt, you know, it's not like he's brittle. You know, he steps on someone's foot, which happens all the time in the NBA, and you, you roll your ankle. And so he was when he came back, he was about 65%. He couldn't right. really jump off that one leg. He needed more time to rehab, but the Celtics didn't have time. So I think that's the most interesting topic this summer, this summer, this offseason in Boston is what happens to Gordon? Does he opt out? Um, and does he have a deal somewhere else? Do the Celtics uh, ask him to opt out but then sign him to an extension where his role, you know, could be about the same as it was? You know, he's not going to be – he's never going to be the number one option as he maybe right. was signed to be. Um, it's Tatum, it's Brown, and you also have Kimba Walker. But can Gordon come back at a minimum, at a reduced salary, to more security, more three-year deal, to right. where he can get, he can play till he's 33, have a contract. So that's something they're going to have to figure out. I think, honestly, John, like I think the Celtics fans and Celtics thought that Al Horford was in the same situation last year, not as much injuries, but had an opt-in clause. Everyone thought, okay, he'll take that. It's the last year of his maximum contract. He'll take that, and then right. he'll be this year. But he 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 um, opted out and signed that major deal with the Sixers, which now the Sixers aren't so crazy about because uh, right. he didn't have a career. So I think that that could happen. Not not the same money, but if you're the Celtics, I think you have to be prepared that he might opt out. And is there a team out there that will sign Gordon Hayward to a four-year, $80 million deal? Is there a team with cap space that wants to be, you know, Sacramento has cap space, Atlanta has cap space, Charlotte, Cleveland. Like, there's teams with cap space. Right. Now, do they want to spend that money on him? That's another topic because there's some other free agents out there. I think of Tim Walker, Marcus, Tim Walker, and um, Jason Tatum and Marcus, and Marcus Smart. I mean, they have an explosive team. Because Tim Walker is so explosive and crazy on shot, we know about the Tim Walker step back all the time. Like this team is so explosive and then it's on offense at all the time. It goes straight on the floor. Yeah, Kimba. Uh, hopefully for the Celtics, he gets healthier. I just don't think he was healthy in the bubble. I don't think he had that explosion. And Toronto really locked him down. They locked him up. I mean, in terms of that boxing one, he wasn't able yeah. to get going because when he gets going and and what happened was, I think, during the regular season, he was able to get going early, and then Tatum could kind of ease his way into games. With him unable to get going early, that forced Tatum to have to start fast. And Tatum, not necessarily a fast start. I think you saw in the Miami series, there was one game, um, the game they lost, I want to say game two, where he had um, no points in the first half. He had 27 in the second. Like, that can't happen. An all-star can't go scoreless in the first half. But, the, but 
that forced Jason to have him get going because Kimba wasn't able to get going. His confidence wasn't there. I don't think his health was quite there. And right. defensively, you know, teams are going at him defensively. So he was working hard on defense. He wasn't healthy. He didn't have that confidence. So he didn't have that kind of swag that he needed in the playoffs. And I think that that hurt the Celtics, and I think that forced Jason Tatum to have to be more uh, assertive offensively, and he should have been, but he wasn't at times. Right. One player the Celtics picked up that didn't get a lot of playing time this season was Carson Edwards. I was able to cover him in um, TMSA training camp in Colorado before he went to the NBA. I mean, he's explosive. His three-point shot is on point. We've seen him in spurts where he gets hot. I mean, he can, he can create his own shot. I like Carson Edwards a lot. What are you supposed to thoughts on him? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I I, I saw him at Purdue, and um, I covered one of his games. They played a tournament game out here sophomore year, and I saw him in person, and I saw that incredible run he went on in the tournament uh, two years ago when they beat Tennessee. Yeah. I think they lost I think they lost to Virginia in overtime, and he had 40-something points. And I think the Celtics looked at him and saw, like, hey, this is our version, new version of Isaiah Thomas. Um, this is the guy who is 5'9", can get his shot off. He's got, uh, you know, athleticism. He's built like a football player, um, tough. But it just unfortunately, and then what happened, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, John, but it like, he he had eight threes in a preseason game at Cleveland. He scored yeah, twenty. Yeah. He scored twenty six yeah. points in like nine minutes. Yes. Yeah. And this, I mean, it was. I was there, and it was like, this is incredible. Oh my God, who is this guy? Like, this guy's going to really come off the bench and not be a star, but he's going to help him. Right, role player. Yeah, he's going to have a role, come off the bench and shoot and score because they right. needed scoring, and unfortunately. He could never recapture that. He never could. And they gave him chances, and then teams would add him defensively, and then the three ball just didn't go down. And I think right. toward the end of the season, he kind of found a little something, but by then he was out of the rotation. Right. So I think they have to determine what to do with him. Is it just a wash in terms of, like, do you give him another chance, a second season, you give him a program, you give him, you, you have him work hard, and hopefully he, he bounces back? Or right. do you think, okay, you know what, he just ain't fit for, for us, our system, and let's put him in a trade and move him somewhere, or maybe he can, you know, play somewhere. Like, I really think that they're going to have to determine what to do with him because I think that they felt like, because the, the biggest issue with the Celtics this year was their lack of scoring from the bench. Right. And they thought, well, shoot, we got Carson Edwards. Carson could come off the bench and hit two or three threes. He could come off the bench and give us 11 points in a quarter. Like, not all the time, but yeah. he can score. We don't, we're not asking him to be a shutdown defender. We're asking him to just hit threes, come off the bench, score. And that just did not happen. Right. Do I think he's done or do I think he can't play in the NBA? No, I think he can. But I think it's going to take a lot of work, and he's got to be more efficient. And, right. you know, we'll see what happens. He's only just finished his rookie year. I don't yeah. know if you give up on him. But, you know, I think they were really kind of disappointed, not in him, but just that it didn't work out. Because I right. felt like they felt like they got a real steal in the draft. They took him in the second round, 
But they felt like they really got a real steal in the draft, and it didn't work out. Yeah, well, just quick uh, NBA turnarounds to the next season. He might be needed for death reasons, but we'll see. Like you said, we'll see. We'll just see. Brad Stevens is doing a phenomenal job with the Celtics. Can you see him being there for the rest of his career? Yeah, so far. I mean, he just signed a contract extension. I think he wants to get the team to the championship. Um, I think he wants to be that next great Celtics coach. I mean, there's a big shadow that he filled, or tipped the field with Doc Rivers. Right. Obviously, Doc won a title in Boston, and um, they've had a lot of great coaches in terms of Bill Fitch and Kate, the great Casey Jones and Red Auerbach, obviously, before him, and Tom Heinsohn um, also. So they've had um, a, you know, great contribution to coaches. And so I think Brad wants to take this team to another level. I think he enjoys NBA coaching. I don't think he's going to go back to college. I think people are like, well, if a Duke job were to ever open, you know, Brad would go to Duke. I mean, Indiana, Brad is from Indiana, Obviously, he coached at Butler. The Indiana job opened, and Brad was not interested. So I don't think if he wouldn't want to coach at Indiana, I don't think that he would coach at anywhere else besides Boston. Um, and I, I think they like – I mean, he's still obviously very young, 44 years old, 43 years old. Right. Um, he's got a lot of learning to do, but I, you know, but I do think he's one of those guys who's humble enough to understand – that in the Miami series, he got outcoached by Eric Stolstra, right? And he's got enough humility to know that, hey, I need to get better too. I can't just blame my players. I have to make adjustments, put them in the right positions to succeed. And I think that that series against Miami showed him that, hey, I might not be as good of a coach as everybody thinks I am, and I'm going to improve. Yeah, I think Danny Ainge has his um, hands hands full, but I think he'll figure it out because the NBA East and West is only getting tougher, especially next year with teams in the East like um, the Nets coming back with Kevin Durant and the West got the Warriors coming back. Um, Steph and Clay going to be a whole problem, so the whole NBA is going to get tougher next year. And title, yes. windows, those title windows do not see open for long, so they have some work to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the NBA obviously with the Warriors back and now the Nets those are two teams that, you know, that obviously weren't factors in the Mets made the playoffs. Right. You know, they lost the first round. They, 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 they tried hard. They played hard um, under Jock Vaughn and Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. But now you got the Nets and now you got the Warriors. And then, you know, John, don't look off like the Suns. The Suns won all eight games in the bubble. They bring everybody. Yeah. Um, the Suns are going to be something to mess with. The Kings, like – there are teams out there that you know might have struggled this year that are going to be factors, and I'm the Phoenix is a team that people need to look out for. And I know that they haven't been a factor for years, not since obviously Nash and Amari and Sean Marion and those guys. But Phoenix was building something there with Monty Williams, and you know Oklahoma City. You know what? What is you know, they got? You know. 250 draft picks, and all those young guys. Right. With Dort, Shea Gillis, Alexander, you know, you know, you have a lot of Darius Baisley, Terrence Ferguson. you got a good young core there with Chris Paul. Let's see what happens with Chris Paul. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams out there, John, that 
are going to be factors. It's going to be a competitive league because the bad teams aren't going to be bad. Atlanta is not going to be bad forever. Atlanta's with Trey Young and John Collins, they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be a factor. You know, let's see what happens. With, hey, look at Washington. John Wall's back. Bradley Beal's back. Yeah. You know, they're going to have something to say. So the the league is getting tougher. You know, um, and let's see with New Orleans. Obviously, with Zion now, Coach Stan Van Gundy. Right. Um, you know, let's see what the what the Pelicans have to say. You know, after kind of a disappointing finish in the bubble. So, I mean, the league has not never been more exciting. I mean, I love basketball. Obviously, I'm a, I've been following the NBA for years as a fan right. and now as a supporter, and it's 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 fun to watch. Nobody's trying to lose. Nobody's tanking anymore. Um, you know, every right, team's sure. trying to get better. You know, look at Denver. Right, Denver could have something to say. Look at Utah. Like, there's a lot yeah. of teams out there that you can't sleep on anymore. Yeah, one thing I like, they're talking about keeping the playing tournament for the last playoff spots. I love that. And we all know once the playoff starts, about matchups and injuries are a part of the game. Throwing injuries to the key player, that could be upset in the first round. You never know. Yeah, I thought I thought the playing thing, and I don't know if they'll do that again. But I do think the playing was a good idea. It made every game mean something. I mean, I don't know if you remember that Brooklyn-Portland game that that came down to, you know, if Portland loses, Phoenix gets in. Yeah. Uh, literally, Brooklyn had a chance, Karis LeVert, to win it and send Phoenix to the playoffs. Like, that is fun. And, and that, you know, and I'm not one of them guys that thinks that the league needs to – like, I'm not a big fan of, oh, well, you know, we should – Eliminate the conferences and and have Miami and you know Phoenix in the first round of the play. Like we should just know. Like let's right. keep the conferences. Let's keep these rivalries going. But playing for a spot or some kind of little tournament, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think that added a lot to uh, you know the, the the element of the bubble as opposed to you know just okay. This is the teams that are in. I thought that was fun to have uh, uh, that kind of competition. Right. How do you think the league will handle um, this upcoming season, which may start in like four or five weeks? <laughs> I mean, it's almost November now. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know what? I mean, it's one of those situations, man, where the league is going to have to play. They're going to have to do something to catch up, right? Like, Something, there's going to be need to be something sacrificed. And you can either, A, you can go about it two ways. You can treat this like a normal offseason, give these guys three, three and a half months, start the season in March, and then you're playing again in October. And you're, doing, you're going through the same thing. Or you're going to have to cut the season a little bit, and you're going to have to start early, and somebody's going to have to be inconvenienced because you've got to right. catch up and get back on the right cycle. You know, some people, well, they should play over the summer anyway. No, they shouldn't play over the summer, right? The ratings won't be good. People are out and about in the summer. Basketball in the summer is fun, and, and that's great, but leave that for summer league. Um, so, for me, I think that this is a good idea to start the season on the 22nd, 72-game season, and you finally catch up. You had a summer. Now, because yeah. remember, these rookies don't have, no, don't have a summer league. No development, no draft. Like now, next summer, if you know, if the pandemic ends and we get a right. vaccine or whatever, 
you could have a summer league at least, right? Now, it might not be like a, the traditional summer league. It could be a bubble summer league or something like that. Right. But you could have a summer league for these, rook, for these new rookies in 21, and you can kind of get back on track. The league has to do something to get back on track. Like, they took a bullet this year, obviously took four months off, ended the season in October, but you can't start the season again in March. Now, a lot of people would like that. Hey, let's go March to, to October. But you, you don't want to play over the summer again. You've got the Olympics next year. So you've got a yeah. lot of players. And remember, not only American players are playing the Olympics. A lot of overseas guys, a lot of international guys play for their country. Like, that's mandatory. So they will walk away from their respective teams to play in the Olympics. Because it's not like Team USA where it's sort of like a right. People think, oh, well, you know, I'm good. I'll play for Team USA because, you know, that's, that's something to check on my resume. Like, no, for these other guys in these other countries, they play for, for national pride. So for them, the league's got to do something. And they need, I think they're going to need to this 72-game season they're going to have to have a truncated season, and I'm all for starting December 22nd because you just you got to get back on track. Yeah, that's that's part of the incentive because they um they can have the season done before Team USA basketball starts. Also, they have no extra 500 million available if they start the season early instead of wait. So I think it's going to start. I think it's going to start in December. I think it is. <laughs> I think it should, and I know that. Well, you know, I mean, maybe you have to do load management. Maybe guys won't be playing as many minutes in the, in the early going. Um, but so I think everyone understands these are different times, you know. We can't yeah. have it like – we can't have everybody, everybody – somebody's going to be inconvenienced. A lot of players are inconvenienced in the bubble. The reporters are inconvenienced in the bubble. Right. But you do this to make it work. If not, hey, cancel the season and then wait till this whole thing ends and you'll lose, you'll lose trillions, right? So right. – that's out of the possible. That's out. That ain't happening. Okay, they gonna walk away from a couple billion dollars and say, let's just wait until uh, you know this all ends and then we'll resume the season. No, right. of course. So somewhere you gotta take the bullet, and I think this summer, sorry, this off season and this season coming up, you're gonna have to start it in December. Very true. There's only really two teams that mean you get you get focused. That'd be the you know, um, Lakers because they play the longest into the season. So they're the main ones that don't want to start the season next. I keep saying next month because it's almost November in December, in December. But I mean, I think you should do it. I think it's going to happen. So. Yeah, I think that with the 500 million in that Christmas Day window, remember, you, I mean, you got NFL football, but you know, Christmas Day that's a lot of ratings, a lot of commercials, that's a lot of money for the league. Like, they like to play on Christmas Day. you got the five games all through the day. Your top ten teams, you're featuring the game's superstars. It's, it's you know, even if you're not watching it, you got the game on on your TV when you're hanging with your family on Christmas. So right. I think that that's what the league has to take advantage of. You know, you've got to capitalize on that. You've got to capitalize on Martin Luther King Day. You have to capitalize on these windows where you can make some money back because the league lost a lot of money this year. I mean, with uh, not playing the 82-game schedule, with not having the finals in um, June and having them in October, you know, competing with the NFL. I mean, you got NBA finals games, same night as Sunday night football. I mean, 
man, you know, that's, I mean, we just, we've never seen this before, right? Um, so and then you had the baseball playoffs. So you get, I mean, you know, it, it, it was crazy. So to me, it's something that they're going to have to do. The play association is going to, and they don't, the play association does not want any issues with the ownership in terms of reopening the collective bargaining agreement, which ends in 2024. They right. keep it like it is. So I think the players are going to have to think long and hard about, well, do we want to affect just us or do we want to affect the guys that come after us? You open up the collective bargaining agreement, you are affecting the guys that come after you. You're right. giving them a deal that probably won't be as good. That's true. Outside looking at what's your thoughts on the moves the Sixers are doing? They have got the good brought over Daryl Morey. I mean, he's brought in Doc Rivers. I mean, they got to figure out what they're going to do with MBs and Simmons. Some say they're going to leave them together, but you know, Daryl Morey's history is hitting three. What he had that that was with Houston though. So he had he had he had Harden. So we're going to, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with these moves they're making. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Philly Philly feels like I have a real opportunity to compete. It's another team we didn't really talk about. Um, with Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris and guys, you know, like Josh Richardson and, you know, there's a good there's a talent there. And they just need to be well coached, which Doc will do. And then, you know, maybe Maury can figure out a way to get out of some of these contracts. You know, the Al Horford deal is something that's probably going to, you know, be something that's going to burn them for a while. He's got three more years left on his deal at $25 million, um, yes. per year. Right. It's a lot, you know, and I think Daryl Morey comes in there and gives, you know, and I'm not the greatest, biggest Morey fan. I think, you know, the whole shooting threes and they ain't going to win a championship. So let's see how his philosophy uh, changes, if at all, when you have a legitimate five, right? You have the best center in the league, and you have one of the best top three, four point guards in the league, or whatever you see Ben Simmons. Some people think he's a point forward. Some people think he's a power forward. Whatever you might see him, he's one of the better players in the league. So right. let's see what happens. And then Tobias Harris is a guy who, you know, might not make the all-star team, but, man, can have his nights where he's really, really good. He just isn't that A1 option. And I think that that's what we saw in the playoffs at Celtics, the series against the Celtics, where – he just did not play well at all. He pressed too much. So I think it'll be an interesting dynamic. What happens with Elton Brand? Is that a demotion for Elton Brand? Elton thought he was kind of running the organization. That obviously isn't the case. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, now with, with, with Daryl Morey coming. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Philly. Right. Yeah, I can't wait for this 2021 season to begin whenever that is. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it will be – I think it will open up in a couple of, you know, training camp maybe in a month. Right. Um, but I, and, I def, and I definitely think that, um, you know, they're going to have to do something soon. Yeah, I think all the players will report. Reports came out like some of the players aren't happy about that because of the time off. But I think all players will report because, especially now, you can't take games off. Like, game threatening season will cost you potentially a one or two seed in the playoffs. And some teams need that. <laughs> so I yeah. think all teams, all teams want to report to camp and be ready to play. And remember, too, eight teams did not go to the bubble. So there's eight teams who have not played since March. So 
So right. they're going to be ready to go. They ain't the Knicks, the Cavs, the Hornets, the Hawks. They don't have any problems with this, right? right? Um, they're they're fine, you know. Uh, the Timberwolves, you know, they're fine because they have not played since March. They're itching to play, and that's nine months. If you start right. to see for a second, that is nine months of time off, right? That's a lo- so. You got to also think about those other eight teams too, and then you can teams like Washington and Sacramento, who right. maybe two weeks in the bubble, you know. So, you know, I think for yeah, you're, you know, LeBron is the face of the league, and what he what he thinks and what he says is going to be hold a lot of weight. But I think they're going to have to say, listen, LeBron, on this one, yeah. you're just going to have to take the bullet. Yeah. <laughs> They made a point of the that was go by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, Gary, thank you for joining me, man. We got to do this again with you, though. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, no problem. No problem. Anytime, man. Thanks, Tuma. Just enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Yes, with Celtics and the reporter at Boston Blue, Carl Thanks for joining me.